Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Monday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. We've got you for the next two hours. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is our little 120 minutes to talk a little football we call the Steelers Blitz. You already know the drill, jabronis. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours, you can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. I mean, like you said, man, we talk football. Mm. Unless Kevin Harvick has won the Breakyard 400, uh. back-to-back years, you know, <laughs> two of the last three races he's taken the checkered, and one of those three races he took second place. Uh, so, you know, that's the go. only time we don't talk football. We'll, we'll throw that in there. Shout out to my dog. But other than that, yes, we will talk football today. You about to make this? <laughs> you about to make this NASCAR Nation radio here, man? Let's go. That's like you know, um. The couple times that Adam Crowley has filled in for you in the uh-huh. past, like we always joke, like we'll we'll do our best to not make this Mountaineer Nation radio <laughs> today. Arthur Motz is gonna have to do his best not to hey, make man. this NASCAR Nation radio. I'm today. feeling it. I feel it's a great day. It's, it's a victory Monday. Victory! victory! <laughs> it's hard for me to knock Arthur Motz because we're I think a day 113 without team sports here. Yeah. Uh, you got to find something no, actually, to get no, fired no, no. out. Not, not fired team sports, about. big team sports. Because my NASCAR guys, we are a team. Shout out to uh, the Stuart Hall's racing team. I know, Woo! I know, let's I go. Know, let's go. <laughs> team league sports. How about yeah, yeah. that? Where you big, got big you team know, league? Yeah. Where you where you have a, a, a where your team name is the name that you you know you, 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 you get what I'm saying here. Uh, talking about here. No, I get it. I mean, I I told you this to start the show, Motsi. Like I am officially jaded with this whole sports thing. Mm-hmm. It's been since mid-March that we've had, you know, organized team league sports. So aside yeah. from NASCAR and golf and UFC, right, uh, the major four league sports, major college athletics Correct. have been on hiatus since mid-March. I think it was March 12th or 13th, something My like birthday that. birthday weekend, man. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was, I'll never forget. It was the exact date. Um, A weekend that will live in infamy. Uh, you know, you, I know, have been sinking your teeth into NASCAR to, to mm-hmm. scratch that itch. I've obviously, you know, I've got my Manchester United Red Devils, but... Other than that, uh, I mean, I was glued to the TV Saturday at noon for the hot dog tweeting, eating man. contest, right? I'm like, all right, Joey Chestnut, let's see what we nah, got nah, here. Nah, 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 man. I, and listen, listen. And I can't even get with that because they still got my man on, on, on hiatus. He's banned from the competition, Kobayashi? man. Kobayashi? Kobayashi, man. I watched the 30 for 30. I'm like, oh, nah, man. I got I got big-time beef with Joey Chestnut, man. <laughs> big-time beef. You are not a 12-time champion until you beat my man 12 oh. times. That's how I feel about it. That's my hot take. But, you know, we're not here to talk hot dogs. Dog eating contest. Shout out to Nathan's though, because they are good. We're here to talk are. football. A little football, a little pigskin, Arthur Motes. Yeah, let's get right into it. Uh we can have a name change here Uh-oh. in the next uh historic. Yeah, next couple weeks. Next I mean, couple is that really historic though? I mean, we we have multiple teams change their names. You think about the Houston Oilers mm-hmm. and how they went to the Tennessee Oilers and then became the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Obviously, so I think they were the Tennessee Oilers just for one yeah, season. Yeah, for one right? season. Yeah, that first and they were like, season. This is really weird. We, yeah. we gotta change our name. <laughs> but but they carried over all of their accolades from Houston to Tennessee. Correct. Correct. Whereas, well, you, hey, you always have to do that, of but, course. But 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 when you think about like the Baltimore Colts, uh the Baltimore Colts and then it's the Indianapolis Colts and then the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. they from my understanding did not do that. They handled it differently in terms of 
which awards or which players are technically under that roster or that regime and stuff like that. Correct. So, I mean, everybody's handled it differently. Um, but this is a unique situation, man. Very unique, man. When you, when you talk about those instances where teams had changed their names, it was more so because of the relocation element of it. Correct. Whereas this is solely due to the... I don't even want to say the media or public outcry because there has been outcry for years about it, but more so because of the sponsorships now mm-hmm. deciding to say, hey, we want you to change the name when we're talking about a FedEx, when we're talking about uh, Pepsi. Nike, Pepsi, yeah. all, all of the bigger sponsorships for the uh, the Washington team. I mean, are we allowed to say Redskins? I don't even know right now because I, I don't know. Like, It's too much information out there right now. I see some <laughs> of it saying that, man, it's not offensive. I see some saying it is offensive. I don't want to come off as insensitive. So since I don't know, I'm just going to say Washington. That's okay. why I told you, remember, we, we made the joke. We used to make the joke, I think not this past season, but the season before on the show. We just called them the Washington Redacteds. Yeah. Right? I, just, I just don't know, man. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Because you're right. There, there's a, a lengthy history of sports teams changing their name, mm-hmm. but almost all of them do have to do with, like you, you said, you're moving a city, um, and obviously being the Houston Oilers, that made sense. All of a sudden you're the Tennessee Oilers, and it doesn't really make any sense. We laughed about this. Uh, the Lakers were actually the Milwaukee Lakers, yeah. right? And then they moved to Los Angeles. There's not a ton of lakes in Los Angeles, Very but they true, decided man. to keep that name. Um, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers used to be the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's a, a lot of examples of this, but you're right. Most of them, again, have to do with a move. Uh, I wonder, Motsi, through all this, the one thing, and you're right, there's no matter who you listen to, right? There, you can find reports, you can find facts, you can find quotes uh, from Native Americans supporting, a, a, supporting and, and going and, against. And going yeah. against. Yes. The one thing that I have felt is kind of under discussed in this regard, right? And, and you touched on it, the sponsorship element, mm-hmm. right? It, it's finally now FedEx Field, who's like the big presenting sponsor uh, of Washington, right? And they've got the naming rights at the foot at their stadium, at that, that dump for the for the next I think five years. Five it more is. years, yeah. FedEx Field runs through twenty twenty five. You've got pressure from Nike. You've got pressure from Pepsi. A, a lot of the big corporate sponsors. I think this is a big potential kind of money-making opportunity for Washington, too. Because let's be real about it. Anytime a team rebrands, mm-hmm. it's a big apparel relaunch. Oh, yeah. Re- Everybody I mean, rushes out. You logo. It's just a lot the, that you could do just, with I it. I mean, look at Pitt, right? Like, yeah. I think two years ago it was when Pitt officially mm-hmm. went back to the script Pitt yes. and went back to the baby blue and the, and the light yellow mm-hmm. instead of the dark blue and, like, the Vegas Correct. gold. I'm sure you've noticed this just the past two years, how much you see that people rocking new pit apparel mm-hmm. around this era, around this era, around this area, pardon me. Because, again, all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, well, look at the new logo. Look at the new color scheme. Look at this. Look at that. I got to get some new gear. Not only is this a good time, obviously, for the PR element with mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the country. And, again, this isn't the first time that this has been Correct. brought up to, I mean, we, we to saw Dan it, Snyder. It was in, I think, 2016. They had another big push for it. Correct. And then before then as well, and obviously, everybody's seen the quotes from Snyder where he's mm-hmm. talking about, I'll never change, yes. all caps, never. Yes. And then when he won the lawsuit in terms for the trademarking for the uh, the Redskins term, he said again in all caps, ever. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever, forever, ever. It just feels to me like in the middle of a pandemic, right, where mm-hmm. revenue for every sports league, every sports team is less than what it normally is right now. It's a nice opportunity for a payday for them to change the logo, change the team name. All of a sudden, everybody wants to buy your new apparel. See, I look at it this way, man. I can see the money side from there 
But I can also see a side where Snyder doubles down on his situation and, in fact, could receive even more support. We saw this even with the presidential election when you were talking about with uh, President Trump and how he went against the grain. Instead of going the, hey, all-inclusive route, he, he made it a more uh, a minority versus non-minority thing. And then, obviously, you saw the support that he was receiving from the you know the, the, the KKK and things like that. Stuff that, I mean, traditionally, you would look at it like, man, this can never work. This is crazy. But you saw how strong... His support was and currently is. And understanding that and knowing that there are people in positions of power that still feel and share the same type of mentality as that, I could easily see Snyder saying, you know, we're going to have this, we're going to do this review process. Hmm. But at the same time, man, I, I believe that we got enough people that are going to support us for saying, you know what, in the midst of everybody else changing because of the public outcry, because let's be real about it. It's mm. not the outcry because, like I said, in 2016, it was public outcry. FedEx 2007, yeah, I think, FedEx too, didn't care a- then. Nike didn't care then. Pepsi yeah. didn't care then. So don't tell me all of a sudden now they care so much. No, but because it's the hot thing to do, that's why they're coming up and saying these things. So I could easily see a situation where Snyder says, you know what? Mm. Y'all leave. I guarantee you it's going to be another set of companies that are very successful that will back me. When they talked about the three minority owners that own, I think, 40% of the Redskins Correct. saying that they're, they're, they're looking to sell their shares. You don't think that there's three other billionaires or multi-millionaires who would love to, love to, to hop in on NFL that? Team? And, yeah. and let's be real, right now, you might even be able to buy low. Mm. And you know in, in, in another five years mm. where this isn't the hot topic anymore, let's be real about it. We've seen this numerous times. So that's why for me, I'm not even buying into it just yet. Like, I, I would need to physically see them change it for me to feel like, okay, they're going to do it. Because right mm. now, I've already started seeing where they got the okie-doke in. Ron Rivera was like, man, this is important to me. He said, and, and, he and said it, the name change before the season would out. be awesome. No, no, no. He said if it happens before the season. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. But listen, if they were that bent on changing the name, how hard could it be to get it done within the next couple of weeks? If that, I mean, they would they would know ahead of time if they were going to change it. That would be the report. Now they're right. going to change the they, name. They filed for a right. new now name. They're, they're just for waiting for the, the trademarks and the patents. But and, yeah. that's not the case. So when you see Rivera say. If it can happen before the season, that would be awesome. That's his way of doubling hedging his bet as well. Because remember, he was strong on one end, saying that, "Hey, I feel strongly this needs that, that we need to address this." If you felt that strong, it wouldn't be a, "Hey, it needs to be done before the season." It would be if it's not done before the season, I'm not coaching you. Mm. If you felt that strong about it, but that's not the case here. So now, when you talk about, "Oh, well, if it happens before the season, that would be great," but you know what happens now. Oh, man, we know deadlines. We couldn't get it before the season. Well, we'll get it next year. It's been a crazy. And then next year turns to the next year. It's been an unprecedented offseason. Come on, man. So that's why, for me, I'm not buying into this this whole uh, public cry of, oh, man, now he's ready to change because he's not. If that was the case, he would have been done it 10 years ago, five years ago. He's had numerous opportunities. And these sponsors that all of a sudden with the blue want to start saying that, hey, we're going to take our money back. Y'all been had opportunities. Don't do it now because it's convenient because there are going to be plenty of other corporations and sponsors that will do the opposite just because they want to show that, hey, we're not going to fold to the current hot topic. We're not going to fold to the current climate. Not saying that it's right or wrong, but that's just the reality of the situation. Divisive division. Yeah, no, it's it's a great call by you. It, it says here on the NFL.com article um, that it is, where's the number, 87 investment firms and shareholders, including Nike, FedEx, Pepsi, the ones that we uh, mentioned, uh, requesting Washington to terminate its relationship with, uh, or sorry, re- saying that they will terminate their relationship with the team unless its name is changed. 
But yeah, why, why wouldn't Daniel Snyder, right, feel confident that if they're gone, all right, you guys exit stage left, more sponsors come in stage like right. Like I said, we've seen it with the president in terms of how he's oh, how he's handled racial tension and the, the political backlash in some instances with some of his biggest supporters. We've seen that. So what makes you think that, hey, if you know that President Trump is the type of guy to back something like this, if he were to just simply say, hey, man, I support Daniel Snyder and his decision to not change the name, Whew. that's American. You don't Whew. think that he's going to have numerous sponsorship, a whole new set of fans, a whole new set of people that want to support that? That's just the reality of it. We've seen it. We're currently seeing it. So that's why for me, man, I don't personally believe until it actually happens, I don't believe it's going to change, man. Hmm. Some great points made by you, Arthur Motes, as always. I Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point by you. I hadn't considered it from that angle, that there's always, particularly with the with any sports league, but particularly with the NFL, there's always somebody with money trying to always, get involved. Always, And it's particularly when there's the opportunity to buy low, which rarely well, happens well, in professional sports Buy now. low and buy one of the most historical franchises. It's not like you're talking about buying the Jaguars. In the nation's it's not, capital. It's not like you're talking about buying some startup. So, hey, hey, I want you to buy the Titans. No, no, no. We're talking about one of the original franchises. HTTR. When you talk, when you talk about history, when you talk about legacy, you talk about them regardless. Also, how much they've won or not won, they are still in that conversation. They are still a part of one of the most historical rivalries between them and the Cowboys. So you're not going to tell me that they're not people that are saying, hey, look, man, I understand from a PR standpoint, this looks terrible, terrible. But if we go ahead and get in here right now where it's a little low, change your life. <laughs> change your life. Five years from now, we could be could sitting Change pretty. your life. <laughs> sitting hey, hey, deal with the storm right now, but it'll change your life once these, because we know we've seen this numerous times in America this is how it goes. Whenever something's hot, right, wrong, or indifferent, when it's hot, it's going. It's going to set a. It's going to set a trail. It's, it's on fire right now. Boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom. Then you just wait. Then you just wait. Then you just wait. Then it shifts to something else. Mm-hmm. We've seen it numerous times. We've seen it with numerous moves. It shifts to something else, and then before you know, it, you didn't forget all about that whole situation. You didn't forget all about the person or that group that was supposedly in the wrong, and now you're back to just regular scheduled programming. So if you're a a, a, a Washington guy. If you're looking into getting into that franchise, they understand the market. They understand how money works. It's same with the stock market. We saw just what two a month ago, all time low for the stock market. But if you bought them, man, you hit the rebound right now and slingshot. You looking good right now. We've seen this. Yeah, that's buddy. just how it works. Some of them man, might even be a person in this room who's smiling <laughs> with some of them gains, baby. That's just how it goes, man. Unfortunately, like I said, right or wrong, that's just that's just the way it works right now. You are correct in that, that you and I could sit here and we could scream about the way things should be until we're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. The reality is that there's just, fortunate or unfortunate, good and bad, there's just a lot of things that just are the way that they are. Yeah, and in terms of people having their opinions, people feeling strong about a stance, I mean, we see that in, like I said, we don't want to make this political, but we see that just in your typical Black Lives versus All Lives Matter movement, regardless or, of right or wrong. Yeah. Who should be saying it? Who shouldn't be saying it? You could just see just the two instances right there. Confederate flags. So why do you civil think this is going to be any different when you're talking? I mean, shoot, we talked about people removing Civil War statues. And even though there were plenty of facts backing why they should do it, there was still a strong amount of people that were against it. It was still, that was the case. So you, you, you're not going to tell me that when you're talking about the Washington I, like I said, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the name or not. We're going to go with the redactants. I, I don't even like saying it because I don't even know what that means all the way. I'm just going to say Washington. <laughs> all right? I'm just leaving it at that. But for me, man, when I when I think of them, man, I just know they're still going to be a strong 
a strong base that says, man, we don't want you to change anything. Hmm. We love that. We love the pride associated with it. Yes. We love the culture that it, that it presents. Yes. We love how you keep the Native Americans in the conversation. It's history, right? That's the yeah. one. That's the big one that you'll hear. Like I said, right or wrong, that's the argument that you hear from one side. And then obviously you have the other side where they say, hey, man, that's a slur, man. It's not nice. You need to get rid of it. It's racially insensitive and all these other things. It's just it's, it's a unique situation. It's man. in the song. You can't change the song. Hail to the redacteds. Mm-hmm. Hail to victory. I don't know. It rolls off the tongue pretty nice to me. Why do you even know that song? Listen, Mozi. <laughs> how quickly? How quickly? Why do you know that? How song? quickly you forget that I worked in that division for three seasons? All right. Uh, Come on now. Okay, okay, okay. I know sense. much more about the Eagles and the Giants Got and the Redacteds okay. and the Cowboys than I care to because I was for. Like, what, what? Why are you singing this song? For three like this? seasons, I had to hear and talk and be around all that crap in the Mm-mm. NFC East. And that's a great point by you. Because <sighs> I thought the I thought the corporate pressure would finally be the you know the tipping point, the straw yeah. that broke the camel's back. But you mentioned you know, the corporations sitting there waiting in the wing with their but, checkbook ready. All I'm saying is for every FedEx, there's still a UPS. Not, not saying that right, I, right, I'm no, not throwing I, them out there, but I'm saying for like every Nike, there's Adidas and Under there's Armour a Reebok, and, there's a, yeah, this, there's a that. Pepsi, there's yeah. Coke, and there's you know what I mean, vitamin so, water, and so, so it's not as if there aren't any other options. Or okay, instead of just going with the one big sponsor, you can't go with two. Hmm. You can't go with two to split the cost. I mean, there there are there are multiple ways to get around this. FedEx leaves, it. but you get uh you get UPS and you get uh, and you get, uh, uh, uh Best Buy, I don't know, or, or, Costco. Or, <laughs> <laughs> like you have options. That's all I'm saying. Or you, uh, DHL, for example. Like that's another group that could. Or, or Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like there are multiple. You're not going to tell me that all these other organizations that are that have been chopping at the bit to get an opportunity are, are going to say, well, you know what? No, I'm gonna turn down that money. Uh, I don't want that money. Uh-uh. Amazon's going to swoop in, find a way to take over the whole team. Jeff Bezos is going to yeah. take over the whole team, and then they're just going to be the Washington Amazons. But it's not going to be Washington D.C. It's going to be Washington, right, right. Washington State. He's going to move them across country. The Washington Amazons. Yeah. There we go. You heard it here first, folks. You'll remotes breaking but then, the real but then news. You know people that complain about that next. <sighs> How are you going to get rid of such a historical <sighs> franchise and move them in this? Yeah, right. <laughs> It's never like enough. The, you know how like this the, goes, Like man. the Raiders aren't a historical franchise right. that moves every dang decade. Come on, man. You know how this goes, man. <laughs> get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. Arthur Motes, I got two topics on the show for you today, all right? Uh-oh, I'm excited. The Steelers that are most hurt by the uh, most negatively affected by the lack of an offseason and the players in the NFL that have the most eyeballs, the most pressure on them to perform. So which one do you want to get into mm. next here? You want to go Steelers? You want to go league wide first? We'll get to both. Let's talk Steelers first. Let's I, talk I, I Steelers. Say, man, we, we've been talking about everybody else but the Steelers. I need some Steelers talk right now to make me feel better. Let's do it. So, who are the Steelers um, that I'm worried about that are most negatively affected by this lack of an off season? I'll discuss with Arthur Motes on the other side. Having some fun here on a Monday. It's Euler Motes inside the Electric Factory. Come back with us on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know, Arthur Motes, it's been an off-season of 
unprecedented times. Where'd you come up with that word? That's I don't know. I just, I think I was the first person in America that said that. I, should I, say, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I should I coin that, you know? Can we trademark it? Or is it too late? Well, what we should do, you know, is send everybody an email in our contact list and Ooh. say, during these unprecedented times... We just want to let huh. you know we're really thinking of you, and we'll get through this together. Oh, Euler okay, Remotes, okay. the electric factory, like wants this. you to know that during these unprecedented times, hashtag all in this together. <laughs> but other Remotes, with this, right, I've been thinking, because um, I was thinking over the weekend, right, normally July 4th is kind of like the last. If, you, if you're someone who works in football, right, mm-hmm. covers wh- whether you're an athlete like Arthur Motes was for a decade in the National Football League, whether you're a coach or somebody who works around the team, um, athletic trainers, nutritionists, team chefs, all that. Or obviously, if you're a jabroni like me who, you know, works in the media and you, your work schedule, you know, your career is around football, typically your summer is kind of starting to end at July mm-hmm. 4th, you know, because you've got a week or two to kind of get ready to pack things up, to take your last trip, see your last uh, family members or friends, and then it's off the training camp and you're rolling into the football season you know, once uh, once the third or fourth week in July rolls around. So I was talking about this with my wife, Motsi, and how, you know, like normally July 4th for me is like, oh, man, like my summer's over, you know, because like in a, in a week here, I got to report to Latrobe and I'm gone for four weeks. And it's usually the time of year that I start thinking about, all right, I'm going to be doing these shows. You know, I'll be doing this with Missy Matthews. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing this with Arthur Motes. We got Punch and Wolf doing this. We got Dale and Matt doing that. You know, you start to plan out topics and things that you want to talk about when you get to training camp and we got to talk about this and spend time on this and I want to have Randy Feetner on the show at some point to talk about this got me to thinking Arthur Motes with the lack of and this is something that you know if we do get to training camp in a couple weeks if it gets delayed whatever it's looked like I'm sure we will discuss this more once we get close and once there's actual tangible football happening practices things of that nature but I got a list of some names here Arthur Motes that I feel like, hey, this offseason, right, this lack of offseason, it hasn't helped really anybody in the National Football League, but I think it's really even thrown more question marks, more cloudiness around some of these players, uh, some of the situations, all right? So I got a couple guys, a couple names here for you that I'd like to get your thoughts on. All right, let's do it. How the, uh, you know, the adverse nature of this offseason might hurt their preparation. Uh, the first one is a big one. Mason Rudolph, right? We talked a lot about how this is such a big year for him in terms of his future with the Steelers and in the National Football League. We've talked a lot about the crazy 2019 that he had, right? From being uh, thrown into the starting role six quarters into the season, getting knocked out by Earl Thomas, everything that transpired with Miles Garrett and the questioning of Mason Rudolph's character off the field that came with that. Uh, He gets back into the games. Finally, he gets yanked again. He gets hurt. Just a crazy 2019 for him. This lack of an offseason, Arthur Motes, when you bring in Matt Canada specifically to work with guys like Mason Rudolph, the opportunity's been limited for him. There's only going to be two preseason games now. Heck, that could even get cut down even more. How are you feeling about Mason Rudolph in regards to how all this offseason has potentially maybe set him back or just hurt his development? So... Oddly enough, I'm still pretty confident in Mason, and these are a couple of things when I think of him. Um, obviously, you know, you want him to have an offseason because you can't get better at football without playing football, but the benefit of being a quarterback is you can just go find receivers to throw with, and you can work on some of your touch things, some of your uh, your timing things. It's some of the things that 
you know, people will say he struggled with last year in terms of the, the taking more chances downfield. I mean, you're only going to get more comfortable with that by throwing those passes. So during this time frame, I mean, I think from an offensive standpoint, quarterbacks, receivers, the skill position guys, you can kind of overcome that hmm. element of it. Now, the biggest thing that he would need the most work on is obviously the 11-on-11 settings in, in terms of identifying coverage, finding your receiver versus blitz, finding your hot route. But one of the things that I did this offseason, I actually broke down some tape on him hmm. and was just studying him and seeing how he was very efficient versus the blitz. You know, things that you would associate typically with him not looking comfortable, he was actually very comfortable and very productive. A lot of his touchdowns came against blitzes hmm. and versus single coverage and things like that. So for me, I, I was very confident in what he was able to do just watching over his his games that he played last year, some of his best throws were against that. Now, where he struggled was when teams would show blitz or show a man coverage and then change it after that, where there were, whether it was a Tampa 2 or whether it was some type of exotic zone coverage Disguising off of it. Disguising what they're doing. That's where he struggled at. Now, that's the 11-on-11 11 11 element of it where it's only going to be – you're only going to get better at that by seeing more of it, by watching film. But for him, he does have the film element that he can watch. That's going to help him out with that. Now, like I said, he's still going to have uh, some type of disadvantage because he hasn't had the 11-on-11 11 11 reps. But from a film standpoint, he can watch certain things on tape right now, which I'm sure he's doing. And he can start to get a lot more comfortable with just the different looks pre-snap, post-snap, because that was the biggest issue with him, and which is typical with a lot of young quarterbacks. Duck struggled with that as well. You show one thing and then it switches to something else. But the thing was, last year they faced a lot of just, just flat-out man coverage. Like, no disguise, just man saying that, hey, your guys can't beat my guys. And if they can beat them, you're not going to make the throw right. on time. You're going right. to be scared. You're going to be hesitant and stuff like that. So those are some of the things, like I said, for me, when it comes to Mason and making those throws, him doing the seven-on-seven seven work right now, him just working with receivers right now, them doing some of the one-on-one -on -one stuff, the, the receiver versus DB right now, that is going to help him get more comfortable making some of those tight area throws. But the film study is going to help him more so with identifying coverage pre-snap to post-snap. And then from there, I think he'll be fine. Now, we do have to also remember that he did have surgery this offseason as well. So that could be playing into things also. Sure. But I'm still I'm still pretty confident because his surgery, it wasn't as if it was a major reconstruction. It wasn't as serious of an injury. I mean, it had the potential to be. Remember, we talked about that, but it wasn't. It wasn't big. Ben. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Right. It had the potential to be, but it wasn't. So that's why for me, I'm still pretty confident in him going into this uh, this next year. I think that he'll still be fine going forward. Now, another name that I mentioned there that, that plays in with Mason Rudolph as well is Matt Canada, obviously new to the coaching staff. I wonder how, because obviously when they brought him in, they did so with a specific idea. And I think, I'm assuming here, and, and you know what they say happens when you assume. But if what, you, what they say? What they say? Well, you make a something out of you and me. But this is a PG show. I don't want to say that word. And I don't like donkeys. <laughs> um. If you could kind of read between the lines, though, some comments from Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and other people around the organization, it really feels like Matt Canada for, uh, was brought in for a lot of reasons, but chief most amongst them, the development of the quarterbacks not named Ben Roethlisberger, mm -hmm. and I think some new ideas in the run game yeah. as well, too. If you look at his tenure in college football, everywhere he went from, from Pitt to LSU to Maryland, he always had successful running backs who were drafted into the NFL, one of them being Anthony McFarland, who they mm -hmm. took out of Maryland last year. Does it suddenly become harder, Motsi, without the, you know, what Mike Tomlin estimated, 900 snaps that NFL teams are missing out on this year? 
if you've got some new some new quirks, some new wrinkles that Matt Canada brings to the table that you want to implement to the offense this season, does that become more difficult going forward? Yeah, I think it will have an uh, impact, but this is the thing that we have to remember. Helping in the run game and being the coordinator are different. Hmm. So in terms of coordination, the calls are going to pretty much be the same. You might have one or two new plays, a wrinkle here or there, but 90% of your playbook is going to be the same because you still have the same coordinator for the, going sure. into the third year now. The difference in terms of where a running game coordinator or, or somebody like a Matt Canada who's, who's come in here to help bring new ideas and spice it up, that comes more so with the different situational calls. Like how we saw with Todd Haley. Remember, his trademark was third and short. He's going long. That was a new wrinkle. Same calls, different element to the game, though. So that changed things up. Hmm. Or how we would see with Le'Veon, right? Simple play. It, it looked like it, we, called it, we called it a dead toss. So instead of your traditional, I'm going to run, uh, uh, take the ball from under center and hand, like physically hand the ball to, to the running back, they would get in the shotgun, Ben would catch it, and then just do a little toss to Le'Veon. And instead of him hitting it outside, he's one, two, cutting downhill against the grain. Same type of call, just a different wrinkle to hmm. it. And that produced very, very beautiful results from that. So when you talk about a Matt Canada and some of the wrinkles, that's some of the stuff you would have to anticipate him doing. Okay, I know with James Conner, he's more of a power guy, but if I can get him the ball early, now hmm. I can get him a better chance to get downhill and see it. Okay, with McFarlane, I know I, I need to get him in space. All right, well, what if we design this play like this Don't and get him out there? something up here. So those are some of the things where Canada can help, but that's going to be more philosophy, more timing versus big overhaul in terms of play uh, play calls and, and play books and things like that. So that's why for me, like, I do think it'll be an impact, but I don't think it's going to be as big as if Canada was the new offensive coordinator trying to implement sure. his verbiage, brand his brand, scheme. his personnel, and everything associated like that. It's a good point by you that hopefully it's – it's not an overarching change, right? right? It's just, you, okay, let's let's try this here. Maybe that mm -hmm. there. It's not like you're implementing an entire new language. It's it's not like you're learning a new alphabet, right? Maybe you're right. just learning uh, X, Y, and Z. Right, or, or just simple, like I said, in philosophy. Okay, in tra uh, traditionally, right, when it's third and short, we might see that teams like to come out with two tight ends, okay, two receivers, one running back. Canada can say, you know what, let's go four wide, run running back, spread them out, we get small ball, and then hit them downhill like that. Different in philosophy. All he's doing is focusing on the run, though. But he knows, okay, if I spread them out, it's going to lighten the box up. And if it lightens the box, that's more advantageous for my running backs, whether it's James Conner, Anthony McFarland, Benny Snow, or Jalen Samuels. So those are some of the things. Or you can say, look, a lot of people like to run to the weak side. They like to line up three receivers to one side, one on the weak side, and then start the run front side, but then bubble it back because you know you're going to have the one-on-one -on -one matchup of a running back on a corner, a running back on a weak right, side safety, right. make them have to tackle. Well, he can say, you know what? Since everybody's already anticipating that, we're seeing defenses start to rock their coverage away from the passing strength. Well, let's go ahead and line up to the strong side and actually run to the strong side. Like those are some of the things that, from a court, uh, from from a run game coordinator standpoint, or just coming up with different ideas. That's some of the things that they're talking about and that I anticipate Canada doing. And from my personal experiences of seeing different coaching staffs have run game coordinators whether it's for offense or defense that's some of the things uh that they would that role would entail interesting good insight there from professor Motes here <laughs> on a monday i've got some more of these that i want to run by Motsi. um i got two more rookies that i want to discuss and then two offensive linemen so we will do that on the other side as we wrap up the first hour of the show he's arthur Motes. i'm wesley euler and this is steelers blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, he looked at the NFL shop and he's upset. It's like... Keep that same energy. That's all I wanted. (laughs) That's all I got to say, man. It's like they tell you never read the comments. You know, like... (laughs) Don't read the comments. Don't go to sh- NFL shop right now and look at the most popular sellers. Mm-mm. Hey, we're not supporting them, though. Remember, they took it off the website the other day. Nike did. Took it off the website. There's no Washington gear at all. You go on NFLshop.com right now, top selling stuff. Washington, whatever you want to call them. Redacteds. Apparel. It's crazy. A lot of, uh, what are they, yellow and burgundy? Burgundy and burgundy yellow, and right? Burgundy and yellow, yeah. Yeah, a lot of burgundy and yellow at the top of that list, and I'm not oh, talking oh, Ron Burgundy. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it's not discounted either, because I know that would be the thing. Well, they did the wearing Hernandez, man. It was half off and all that stuff they with the buybacks. They got all this apparel. They got to yeah. get rid of it somehow. This is full price. <laughs> full price, no if ands, or buts about it, baby. So, a lot of people trying to nab that yeah. vintage Washington gear while they still can. <laughs> Unreal, bro. Unreal. Are the Mets continuing our conversation here about um, Steelers players and coaches things that could be adversely affected by the lack of an offseason, lack of a preseason. And obviously we know everybody in the NFL is going through this, but I was looking at some Steelers specifics as this is normally the time of the year that we really start to think and look at training camp. Are there most, this is one we've kind of dis- discussed, we, or we've discussed these two, but not maybe in this regard. Uh, I'm talking about the two guys battling for the starting snaps at right tackle, Chooks Okorafor, Zach Banner. Um, I think regardless of who wins the competition, right, we'd all feel maybe more comfortable if they would have had much more of a body of work, more snaps to evaluate and to fight for that starting role. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think both of them can be very good players in terms of Chooks, Okafor, and uh, Zach Banner. But I think the biggest thing right now was just the lack of reps that they're getting because they're both very young. Matt Filer, I'm not as concerned about because he's had a lot of snaps. If he were to stay at right tackle, I know they say he's going to get the first crack at left guard, and he's actually started at left guard and, and played really well. Did so against Aaron Donald yeah, last one season. one of the best in the game. So I'm not as concerned about him. I'm not uh, as concerned about Stefan Wisniewski as well. But when we're talking about Chooks and Zach, they are very green in terms of that, that experience at that position. And – when you don't have the OTAs, that really affects those guys, and it affects them from a technique standpoint because this is their opportunity to learn what they do well and what they struggle against. This is their opportunity to learn, okay, how do I handle speed rushes? How do I handle guys that are like to be more of a power rusher, guys that line up tight versus guys that like to line up wide, guys that, that do more of these type of moves, violent hands, all these other things. This is when you get to understand yourself the best because you don't have the contact. Hmm. So you have to focus more so on the technique, more so on your hands and things like that, especially for the interior alignment. So when we're talking about that element of it, it has a a way bigger effect. I'm more concerned about them than I am a Mason or a Doug just because you're not able to take one-on-one pass rush reps right now. Right. Like for pass rushes, I'm like, man, I I can see the guys hit the bags and run around cones like they want, but it's nothing like rushing the passer versus a real person. A guy who's going to, yo, okay, he's going to flash his hands. He's going to quick set me. He's going to jump set me. He's going to vertical set. He's going to set at an angle. He's going to have his hands low. He's going to have his hands high. All the things that you have to react off of. A guy who's fighting for his starting role. Exactly. For, for his football life as well, too. So when, when you're not getting those reps, 
those live reps, I think that has a bigger effect on you. So I'm really concerned with those guys mm-hmm. at that right tackle position, regardless of who gets the nod, just because they're not going to have a lot of reps, a lot of in-game experience, and they're going to have – I mean – depending on how this training camp situation works. I mean, as it's scheduled with the day, they're supposed to report in two and a half weeks. And then in what? 18 days, I think. And then in what? You got 40 days, depending on how they decide with the training camp games, preseason games or not, 40 game, I mean, forty days until your regular season opener. That's not a lot of time. And now they're talking about doing training camp, having the coaches have to do different sessions because yeah. of the amount of play. So what if it's an offensive session, a defensive session, then all of a sudden – it's not even like you have um, you don't even have Ola Adani mm-hmm. and Tuzar Skipper and, and and these other guys going up against you know you don't have iron sharpening iron correct so right? all of these things definitely put you know Chooks and Zach at a competitive disadvantage just because their position more so is associated directly with the need for that I mean mm-hmm. you I mean. And it, and this is what I want people to understand. This isn't anything to deal with just the traditional working out, staying in shape part. That's a whole other animal. But I, I, I expect and we're confident they're yeah, doing that because obviously. they're both professionals and they both want to be great. So in that regard, you expect them to do that. But there's still a difference between workout shape and playing football shape. Mm-hmm. These especially are, at that position. Absolutely, too. it's one thing for Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster to go out and run routes with Ben. Okay, there's a lot there. There's no real way to replicate that for an offensive lineman unless, like you just mentioned, it's real live action or it's a preseason game. Absolutely, and you have to remember this. At least at wide receiver, running back, or even pass rusher, you got to sub. You can sub out online. You're in there the whole time. That's a totally different animal. So that's why for me, man, some of those things I'm really concerned when we're talking about a Chooks and a Zach in terms of that position battle because I feel like they are going to be the most affected by this situation right now. So let me ask you this. Let me play hypothetical devil's advocate here for a second. Um, say that nothing changes with the NFL schedule, right? Um, except for maybe they go down to one or zero preseason games. But everyone still reports in 18 days. You know, training camp looks a little obviously smaller, you know, smaller rosters, all that. But it's still nothing really changed to the, you know, the layout of the NFL schedule, Right. We still get going. There's less preseason games, but other than that, everything else is still according to plan. Could you potentially maybe foresee a scenario where it ends up being just due to the lack of time with these two? All right, you know what? Screw it. We're going to go file a right tackle, and we're going to go whiz at left guard because that's what we know, and we haven't had enough time to get these two up to speed. Or do you think that they're they're really dead set on having whiz as that kind of, you know, Jack of all trades, you're you're kind of ace in your sleeve and letting these two fight it out, duke it out for right tackle. I could definitely see any way that that could happen. No, no, I definitely think there is a situation or a scenario where that does happen, but that would have to happen only if the training camp element got condensed even more. Hmm. So we're seeing it already with baseball and with basketball where some of these facilities, they're saying, that, hey, they were supposed to start training camp, but because of testing, they had to postpone. Or because of the amount of people that tested positive, they had to shut down the, the facility for X amount of time. If that were to happen, you know, if that were to happen with the Steelers, for example, and they ended up having to miss four or five days or a week or something like that, then I could easily see them saying, well, you know what, because time isn't on our side, because we have a scheduled kickoff Hmm. first week of September, we don't have the luxury of just saying, hey, we're going to let this battle take place and play out. We need to go with what we know 
and go ahead and put Matt out there, right tackle, put Stefan at left guard, and then we'll let the other guys develop as they go along we'll throughout the season. Because we've already we know that we can number one move Matt on the fly game week. We've seen them do that did when they played the season. Rams. They did it middle of the season. Against and the it, best defensive tackle in football. And then moved him right back the next week. We've yep. seen that. We saw where Chooks stepped in that game as well. Remember, Chooks was the one who got the nod. They left Zach as the swing tackle, the, the extra O-lineman. So we've seen them do those things. We know with Stephen, he's his whole career he's been able to step in in big moments in the playoffs. He hasn't been the predominant regular season starter, but when playoffs count, when playoff time comes around, they give him the nod and he's ready to go and he's won two Super Bowls based on that ability. So there is a certain confidence level in that. So for me, I could definitely see that happening, but it would definitely have to it would only happen if training camp were to be condensed even more or certain days were starting to miss, certain players were missing due to COVID. Whole lot to consider, Arthur Motes. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> a whole lot to consider. All right, last guys I want to talk about you here is it relates to being you know, behind the eight ball with all this lack of off-season programs, uh, obviously the two rookies that we expect something from this year. I'm talking about Alex Highsmith and, of course, the wide receiver from Notre Dame, Chase Claypool. Uh, Motes, who's it more difficult for? Is it is it maybe not as rough on Claypool because some of the stuff I just talked about, he can still be running routes, he can still be working with Ben. There's more that you can do outside of a team situation that still directly relates to those guys. Uh, or, is, or is there something I'm missing with, with these two? And, and maybe it is uh, Claypool who's got the more difficult road. The only reason why I think Claypool has the more difficult road is because the expectations associated mm. with him. With Highsmith, what's your expectation right now for him? That he can maybe offer five to ten good snaps a game and some special teams. That's, that would be – I'd, I'd sign for and, blood in that right now. And that's best case scenario, right? He plays right? six, seven snaps a game on defense, and he has a nice impact on special teams. Now, what's the expectation for Chase Claypool? Oh, I'd, I'd like him to be the, the third wide receiver by the end of the season. At worst. At worst. It's a different level of expectation. Nah, it's a different level of expectation. So yep. when we talk about who I think has more pressure, who I think is going to have – it's more – it could have more of an impact on is Chase because you want Chase to be as close to up to speed as possible once the season starts. Because the thing is this, you're going to develop through the season, but as a rookie, it is still hard to develop during the season. In terms of the gains, you you make your biggest gains as a rookie during mini camp, OTAs, training camp. Once the season hits, it, it almost turns into survival mode because you're still learning so much from a scheduling standpoint, from a film study standpoint. You're not even able to work on your skill development. And when we talk about your skill development, how to beat man-to-man press, how to, how to beat off coverage, how to beat a cover two, how to beat a two-man, how to beat a cover three, when to sit down versus zone. Okay, what do I need to do if it's man? You, that's the stuff you work on doing this time frame, OTAs, mini camp, training camp. Once the regular season hits, now we're scheming plays. Now we're saying, hey, look, man, when that safety walks down, we're checking to the front side. I need you to give me a, a, a whip route. If you're lined up at the two spot, if you're lined up at the one spot, you got to go. If you're lined up at the three spot, okay, well, now you're going to run a drag. We don't have time for the details of, hey, make sure you're, you know, two yards split outside the hash. Make sure you're at the bottom of the numbers. Make sure that, okay, you, you have enough width. Or make sure you're, you're running your route at four yards and not seven yards because you run at seven. Well, now you're running to the safety. Those are some of the details that you do now. Once the season hits, you don't have time for that. So that's why for me when we're talking about Chase, I'm a little nervous mm. just because the expectation he's going to have way more opportunities to be on the field on offense. And we know how with offense, the timing is critical. The depth of your routes is critical. 
If you're off, it, it can make Ben have to hold the ball. And if he has to hold the ball, it's a whole another plethora of things that could transpire because of that. Those are and that doesn't even get to the part where we talked about with James Washington. Remember, just learning how to run and catch the ball. Don't jump, just run. And run through it. Run yeah. through it. And we saw. I mean, James was a, a, a an amazing receiver in college. In fact, in, in fact, people say he was more he was more productive than Chase Claypool as a collegiate receiver. Oh, look at check the numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and we saw how James struggled. Because it's a difference playing at this level. It's certain things you have to get accustomed to. You talk about for the quarterbacks learning what open is in the NFL for the receivers. They got to learn what open is as well. They have to understand what a combat catch is as well. That's a lot different. That's a lot more difficult to do mm-hmm. when you're not having your full all season, your OTAs, your rookie mini camps, your training camps to prepare properly. So now when you're talking about that Chase is going to get, I mean, he could easily in this first game get 30% of the snaps on offense easily. Yeah. And that's lowballing him. So when you're when you're thinking about that, Alex Eisman thing getting thirty. He's not of the not snap. at all. Alex Eisman, unless, unless a drastic tragedy happens right, in the which, injury department, which, which we hope never happens yeah. this season. And then we got bigger concerns anyway. <laughs> right. But that's the thing when you look at Bud getting fifteen point eight million, you look at T.J. Watt who was in the conversation for Defense Player of the Year. Which one are you taking off the field? I'm gonna go with neither, sir. Whereas at the receiver position, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing. So that's why for me, man, I still have my concerns with Chase. I think it, it, this impacts him so much more just because of the expectations associated with him coming into this season. Whereas with Alex Highsmith, he doesn't have nowhere near the expectations. Nor is he going to, I mean, barring injury, he shouldn't even have the opportunities right. to be out there like that, to, to really put, right. put together a string of bad plays or put, put together something that could cost Some the team or something. Plays. Or splash, yeah, yeah. I just don't see him having – if he goes out there and, and has four sacks this year, that's great. Oh, I'll That'd take great. that right now. Four sacks. Flash play on special teams. Uh, listen, man, four sacks. Uh, Forces a turnover ten, on special teams. Seven, eight tackles on special teams, maybe a turnover. That's perfect because I, I I don't want him having more than an opportunity because that means that something's going wrong with Bud or TJ, which I don't want. That also means, too, that you haven't seen really probably any development from an Ola Adani or a Tuzar Skipper, a guy that, that, that you that would think well. would be ahead of him in the pecking Absolutely. order at this moment. Absolutely. Yeah. So there, there are a lot of factors that go into that thing, man, but that's cool. why – I'm a little less worried about Alex Highsmith right now. No, that's that's not the answer that I expected, but that's certainly one that, that I dig. Absolutely. Great points there by you, as always, Arthur Motes. 60 minutes in the books, another 60 to go. You want to talk expectations. We'll talk about some players in the National Football League that have the most eyeballs, the most pressure on them to begin the 2020 season. That's where we'll start our number two. So get those tweets in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. 60 in the books, another 60 to go. Join us on the other side, inside the electric factory. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Fantastic. Me too. Well, that's good because I got Arthur Motes with me for the next 60 minutes here. 
inside the electric factory on your 24 7 home of the black and gold having some fun on a monday trying to laugh trying to grin and bear it together because that's all we can do at this point day 113 since sports got canceled in the united states all right with all due respect to nascar put some respect on it and to the pga tour let's go kevin harvick and a ufc and to hot competitive eating as well too 75 are the most can you even picture if someone came in here right right now and sat down a plate of 75 hot dogs in front of us can you even picture what that would look like see i don't have an issue with the 75 hot dogs because i i've seen like me and my guys especially when i was playing Five was probably go. I mean, five to ten of us would probably go through seventy-five. Like that's, sure. that's realistic. Yeah, but, five but, to ten of you, not one of you. <laughs> but, but, but 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 the thing that always gets me is the dip in the hot dog in, in the, the water. Oh. That that's where you lose me. I can't do it. Oh. Yeah. So that's the part where I'm just always like, yeah, I like to eat hot dogs. I really do. I, I I talked about this last week. I worked at a hot dog shop for two years in college, so I'm a little bougie with my hot dogs. <laughs> but yeah, not when it, I'm not gonna dip them in water and shove them down my gullet and well, get that you get that. It looks like you vomited all over the front of your shirt with no, all I that just, hot I just dog like water. Their, their action photos where you just see their faces like red oh, veins every, popping yeah, out. Yeah, I was gonna say every vein in their neck, multiple face hot protruding. dogs in their mouth. I'm like, nope. <sighs> Also, too, last thing as it relates to Joey Chestnut, if you're one of the competitors, right, if you're one of the other nine guys of the ten standing up there on stage, and you get like four or five minutes into this, and you look over, and that dude's already put down like 20, 30 more hot dogs on you, how do you keep going? Like, at one point, Chestnut's at like 50-some, and the next closest dude's at like 30-some. Aren't you just like, oh, man. But that's because, that's because (laughs) they have a ban on a certain bad man. A certain hot dog eater that made the sport popular. A guy Wesley who. Euler? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, you kind of look like him, though. Y'all got the same frame, just different <laughs> hair. That's true. We both weigh, what, like yeah. 150 pounds soaking wet? He has abs, though, after eating 70 hot dogs. It's crazy to me. It blows my mind. Kobayashi. Yeah, so, so I mean, that would be the equivalent of. Hashtag reinstate Kobayashi. because, yes, well, even though Kobayashi said he would never come back and, right. and compete there. Right. But the whole situation, man, imagine. For you know, let's see with uh who who, who I'm trying to think who's the biggest rivals, because it's different. Like, because hmm. like, with, like, Le- uh, with LeBron, his biggest rival at the time you could have said was Golden State. So imagine if you would have said Golden State right. can't compete. Right. And I was trying to think on more individual like sports. So Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or but maybe, it was still um, only one time. This is supposed to be something that was supposed to go on for generations. Like no Phil Mickelson pushing Tiger Woods. Correct. Like, like they just said, hey, Phil, you, you're not allowed to compete. Yeah. Just Tiger. And I was thinking like Pacquiao and Mayweather, but they're, that's tough. Fight yeah. game's tough because the different weight classes Absolutely. and everything. But that would probably be the best one. Phil Mickelson and uh, Tiger Woods. If yeah. they say, hey, you, you're you not competing, you're not happy. And then the other guy just goes and wins because the the – Guy who beat him before, who who owned him, had his number, who was his most competitive guy, is gone. It's not the same. Or if you took Ronaldo or Messi out yeah. of the, you know, hey, hey Ronaldo, we love you, but you can't compete. Right? Like, what? It's right. not. It's not fair. It, it'd be like, um, imagine if the Capitals and Ovechkin, right? They finally won the Stanley Cup, but they didn't beat the Penguins in the process. And no, no, no. There was no the, Crosby. There was no Crosby Penguins. Crosby was banned for the season. Yeah, because it's different if it's say Kobe actually got beat. Throughout the process, that'd be right, one thing. Or different. say the Pens got beat in the first round, that's one thing. But if you just say, "Hey, man, nah," even though you you, you just won a championship, or, or you you lost in you the championship, but you're sitting this year out, that's what the equipment. And then the guy goes on a win, and you're like, "Oh yeah, man, he's the best." Like, no, he's not. 
stop it. Stop it. It was like in it was like in ba- it was like in basketball, right? In like ninety four, ninety five when Jordan was trying to play baseball. Yeah. Like, Everyone was like, oh, quick, we gotta get this title in yeah, before yeah. Jordan gets back. That doesn't count. That doesn't when when count. he gets back now, show me. <laughs> Arthur Motes wanted to talk here, uh, you know, some some bigger picture NFL pressure, right? players with the most eyeballs under them the most pressure the most uh you know again i think that eyeballs who who's going to be tuned in to these guys to see what they do the most this season arthur moat's number one on the list i think pretty clearly here cam newton right uh obviously just from a quarterback standpoint we know what that means a former mvp he's um just a guy who has always been a personality in the National Football League, right? He came into the league as Superman. He, he likes to dress and wear nice and what some may consider a little bit different outfits to his press conferences. Um, and now all of a sudden, all those things packing up and heading north to play for Bill Belichick and the Patriots and all the intrigue that comes with that organization. Cam Newton, the, the guy with the most pressure, the most eyeballs, everyone watching him in the 2020 season in your mind. Yeah, I think so, man. Just because you talked about some of the things, man, in terms of him going to replace Tom Brady. Yeah. Also, the fact that he's a former MVP, the expectations associated with that. Also, the fact that you still have the jury. I mean, half the people think that he's going to come back and be the cam that we saw in 15 and 16 and, and set the league on fire under Josh McDaniels and obviously Bill Belichick. But then you have the other half that think that, hey, man, he's washed up. He, he's he's damaged goods. He's too beat up. He's missed too much time. And, and that whole narrative. So, I think with Cam, man, it is very polarizing. And you saw, I mean, I think it was just today he put out an article saying mm-hmm. that, man, he's tired of being humble. He, he you know, he wants, to, he wants to be him, mm-hmm. which I can totally understand. I mean, because the thing that's different, too, with Cam and, and with, you know, a, a good amount of athletes have had to endure this, when you set the league on fire but it's different than what they're accustomed to, hmm. especially at the quarterback position. If he would have came in and he was throwing the ball like Mahomes or he was a pass-first-style quarterback – Aaron Rodgers. It's acceptable. They like that. That's tradition. But because of his game, because of his style of play, yeah, he he faced a lot of scrutiny for that. He he I mean, even when he was winning MVP and dominating doing the things that he was doing, he still was being scrutinized because of his style of play. Because of, oh, well, it's not gonna last. Or it's gimmicky. You know, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's a gimmick and all these other things. So for for Cam, I mean, yeah. He he definitely has to be frustrated with always having to be the humble guy, always having to answer things gracefully and talk about things a certain way. When at, if he was playing the game and throwing the ball, oh, it would be completely normal for him to operate a certain way or say certain things. So I could definitely hear and, and understand Cam's frustration in that regard. But then you also got the other narrative where they're like, well, Jared Steedham, you mm-hmm. know, he he hey hey that it's not just his spot just yet. Jared got him, cut it out. But, yes, I do think it's safe to put him at number one. Or what, Brian? Don't put some respect on Brian Hoyer's name. Oh, yeah, shout out to Hoyer, man. Hoyer's my dog, man. He's a good dude, man. Real (laughs) good good dude. Uh, Another name for a completely different reason than Cam Newton on this list. How about Khalil Mack? Expectations. Yep, two years ago, right, they they, they that huge haul to the Raiders to land him. He bursts onto the scene, right, that huge performance in the opener against the Packers up at Lambeau Field, first team all pro. But last year, right, uh, just eight and a half sacks wasn't the disruptive force that we've become accustomed to him being. And obviously you talk about the expectations, right? There is more pressure on the Bears to find a quarterback. But I think the expectations is the big kicker. This is a guy in Khalil Mack that is expected to be a hands-down, no-brainer, top-five defensive player in the NFL. You expect him to get back to that this season? 
I honestly don't. Hmm. But I think more it's so getting because close to of, age thirty. It's getting to like, the other that's side. That's about the age. More so about just the offense, man. Like I said, that first year when he got there, it was the perfect storm of everything going right. He's winning. The the guy is holding the ball while he's winning, and he's able to make these spectacular plays with Aaron Donald. Because remember, those were the two guys that got paid. Those were the two guys that were directly related in that department. The difference is Aaron Donald's offense has been far more competent and at times looked dominant. So he was going to have the better situations. He was going to have the better opportunities to be successful. Whereas with Khalil Mack, when you're looking at the quarterback position right now, I mean, between Trubisky and Nick Foles, it still doesn't look very promising. No, in terms of you're hoping one of these guys can just keep us in, not lose us games. Right. You know? like just but but that, games. that's not going to have them in situations where they're able to just pin their errors back. That's not going to have them in a position where their defense is playing in a lead or playing out front. Right. So for me, I still have my concerns because Khalil Mack dominates in the pass game. That's his thing. I mean, no different than Von Miller, no different than Aaron Donald. They can have 100 tackles. Nobody cares about that. How many sacks do you have? How many forced, How many forced fumbles, fumbles do yep. you have? And that's the issue right now. So with Khalil, it's like you're not going to have as many opportunities just based on the offense that you're playing, that, 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 that they are putting on the field. So for me, I still have my concerns, but the biggest issue when you're talking about Khalil is because of the contract standpoint, mm-hmm. they don't want to hear that. The expectation is – double-digit sacks and not 10 either. No, we're talking we're, uh, Baker's dozen at yeah, least. Yeah, at, at least. Yeah, so so that's just how this whole thing plays out. So for me, with Khalil, I, I do think he should be on this list because of the pressure, but I don't think that he's going to – I don't think we're going to see the type of year that we saw his first year there. I think that was, mm-hmm. what, 2018 I think it was? Correct. I, I don't think we're going to see that happen again right now, Why? at, at least why that quarterback situation is, is how it is. No, it's a great point by you. It's a lot of – uh, we've talked about this in an optimistic way with the Steelers, right? That if they can get Big Ben back, if they can give that defense some leads, like look at what the defense was able to do last year, and that was in tight games. That was playing from behind a lot of times. I think maybe it's that same type of conversation with the Bears defense, right? Like that is a defense that thrives on being able to pin their ears back, mm-hmm. and they and, weren't and able to do too, that at all last season. The difference, man, when we talk about the Steelers defense, the Bears defense, Khalil Mag versus T.J. Watt, the Steelers have the better defense. Yes, it's particularly way, it, in the it's secondary. Correct. It's not so, even close. from a coverage standpoint, they're at a, a huge advantage when you're talking about the Steelers, and that's why you can see guys like TJ and Bud both go for double digit sacks in, in, in this uh, this past season. But with Khalil Mack, the the Bears secondary, I mean, they they got a little older. Obviously, uh, I think um, uh, Prince Mukamara is still out there, but other than that, I mean, they they took steps back, and that hurts you when you're a pass rusher because. Hey, it's one thing when you're playing and you're not having the lead, but it's another thing when you're playing and them guys aren't covering. That sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you talk about Khalil, that's why I'm not very confident in him, whereas you saw the Steelers last year, even though they're, the offense wasn't up to snuff. Yeah. But because the defense was so good, and in particular the secondary was so good. Remember that Bears secondary in 2018? They were balling. They were creating turnovers. They were getting interceptions. They were locking guys up. That wasn't the case this past season. Whereas with the Steelers, that has been the case, and it will be again this year, which is why you're going to see the guys be able to still produce those high level of sacks numbers and stuff like that. So that's why for me with Khalil, I just don't see it happening. Another name on this list, Patrick uh, Peterson. Mozi, that's your boy. It is, man. That that I ain't going to lie. It hurts to see him on this list. 
he had a, a rough season last year. Was suspended for six yeah. games. When he came back, wasn't the same. But he's only twenty nine years old. He's still on that that you know that other eight, side. Eight time of Pro Bowler too, bro. Can he uh, can he bounce back this season for a team that? I tell you what, if he can bounce back, they got Chandler Jones. You bring Isaiah Simmons into the fold. All of a sudden, you got DeAndre Hopkins on the offensive side of the football. Can he be part of a uh, you know a, a turnaround this season for the Cardinals? He's going to have to be if they want to turn it around because oh, the sure. defense struggled in particular the secondary last year out in Arizona. But we know with Patrick Peterson, man, it's a future Hall of Famer. It's, it's no debate about it. His track record speaks for itself. You talk about a guy who could play man-to-man with the best of him. He's up there. His problem was he's just been on a, a Arizona Cardinals team that's been struggling. He's been literally out in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Fitzgerald got the same situation, man. If they played on any other team, they would be talked about in, in a totally different regard. Yeah. Numbers will look even better. Yeah. But for me, man, I, I think that last year was more so a one-off for Pat P. I think, man, anytime you deal with the suspension, mentally that hurts. But then also you have to think, he was a, that was a second regime change, man. The year before that, he had Steve Wilkes and that whole new staff, that whole new defense he had to learn. Then this past season, he had a whole new uh, staff with Cliff Kingsbury in that defense. Then on top of that, remember, he he asked for a trade as well. So it was multiple things going on that past season that I think played into Patrick Peterson's poor performance. But then at the end of the day, once the season – once it got progressed towards the back end of it, he still started to produce and play well. It just wasn't up to his standard. Right. That's the difference. We're not talking about just being a good player. We're talking about Patrick Peterson, who who annually is viewed as a top three corner. That's just his game. That's how good he is, and that's how good he's been throughout his career. So I'm going to take last year as a one-off, and, and I'm anticipating with Chandler Jones coming back. With Isaiah Simmons, that I think that's a huge pickup. Me too. Huge pickup. Then, like you said, on the offensive end of the uh, on the offensive side, they revamped the offensive line. They bring in DeAndre Hopkins, a, 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 a more dynamic, younger receiver. Because for the long, with the last four or five years, Fitzgerald's been their guy. But let's be real, Fitzgerald's long in the tooth. He's not a, a true number one. He, he's, he's still great. But yes, it's, it's not two thousand and eight. Correct. Anymore. And he's more so getting through think Chris Carter when Randy Moss is a rookie. He wasn't going to just torch you and, and all this stuff. He understood, okay, how to run my routes and how to sit down and get open. That's That was the difference. That's yes. what Fitzgerald is right yes. now. Okay? But when you're looking at them bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, when you're looking at a King and Drake, those guys can help that offense be more productive, which in turn is going to help Patrick Peterson because he's, number one, not going to have to play as many snaps. Number two, when he is on the field, they're going to be in way better situations from a field position mm-hmm. standpoint. So that's why, for me, I, I do think that Pat P will be able to bounce back. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up this list with number four Uh-oh. on the list. The Pittsburgh Steeler wow. up next for a lot of pressure in 2020. Who could it be? I'm sure you've got a guess, but we'll let you know on the other side. Keep those tweets coming in. We'll get to them before we wrap up the show. At Wesley Euler at the Body 52. <gasps> the Body. The conversation continues on the other side. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Spent an hour number two discussing 
the individuals in the National Football League with the most pressure, the most eyeballs watching them in 2020. We've talked, of course, about new Patriots quarterback Cameron Newton, Khalil Mack, Patrick Peterson. Number four on this list, Arthur Motes, Juju Smith-Schuster. Hey, it's Liddy. It's Liddy. We know the, the the talking points here in Pittsburgh, right? We've discussed them at nauseum over the last five months. Uh, was it the quarterback situation in the mm-hmm. absence of Ben Roethlisberger? Was it the injuries that plagued Juju the whole season? He missed six games a third of the season. Uh, was it Antonio Brown in the absence of Ant- AB and more attention and more expectations? Realistically, it was probably all three of these things combined, right? A- along with a lot of other shortcomings on the Steelers' offense as well. But Arthur Motes, I do think it's fair to say certainly particularly in a contract year as well that there are going to be a lot of eyeballs both in pittsburgh in western pennsylvania in steelers nation and around the national football league on number 19 juju smith schuster yeah you're definitely right man contract year a lot of questions if he's the number one receiver or not that that all plays into this thing and it's um I mean, it's just the nature of the game. It's the nature right. of it. I mean, it's a good position to be in for Juju. That means that he has produced prior to this season, prior to last season, because it's set a level of expectation. Now, can he live up to it going forward? That's going to be for another debate. But ultimately, the position that he's in right now is a good position because he can go out here and prove that he is as good as we saw prior to last year. He can prove that. Or he can go out here and show that, okay, I'm just a really good number two. But either way, I think that it's only, you know, a chance for good opportunities for Juju. Now, I think his health is going to be a big thing. I know that became the new narrative surrounding Juju. And I never like to get into that because I feel like, man, when we're talking about players, when we're talking about productivity, you have to be available. And if you're on the field, we have to assume that you are healthy. You can't. You know, be out there, but with a grain of salt. Yeah, but I'm not producing. But now I'm gonna tell you after the fact that I'm hurt because I could put Deontay Johnson, who had surgery this off season, and he never once complained about an injury, but still produced. So that's the only thing when you're talking about a Juju in particular with this coming season and the pressure associated with him. But I think that man, him sitting at the fourth guy on this list. I mean, I think the guys we named ahead of him, Patrick Peterson, Khalil Mack, Cam Newton, I definitely think they have a lot more pressure on them to I perform. Agree. They're older than Juju, too. Oh, yeah, we're, we're not even close. I yeah. mean, even, let's be honest, right? Even if Juju has another season that we don't deem great this year, that doesn't mean his NFL career is over. Correct. He's still younger than Joe Burrow, the number one right. overall pick who hasn't taken a snap yet. Yeah, so he definitely has a lot of time. You know, time is definitely on his side in terms of yeah. him having the opportunity to develop, him having the opportunity to bounce back, him having the opportunity to carve out whatever his new role may be, whether that's a number one or a number two. He's going to have those opportunities. Now, we don't know if that's going to remain in Pittsburgh or elsewhere, mm. but from a career standpoint, he's going to be fine. But I guess for me, man, when I think of Juju, the biggest thing that I'm concerned with is just can he live up to that expectation that was beforehand? Because we've already seen how the Steelers have drafted this year, taking a Chase Claypool when they took him. That says a lot. That mm-hmm. that doesn't say, hey, Juju, we're, we're waiting on you forever. You're covered. You're good. Especially, too, when you didn't have a first-round pick. Absolutely. Your only third-round pick was a comp selection at the yeah. end of the round. 
So by them taking Chase Claypool, it, it lets Juju know, like, you don't have that luxury in Pittsburgh. You might have it somewhere else, but not here. We already have a guy in the wings that we're taking to ultimately come in and be your replacement. That I mean, they don't have to come out and say that verbatim, but that's just how it operates in the NFL. Sure. Trust me, you play long enough, you experience it. Sure. We all have. <laughs> but that's just how it goes. And then you already have a guy like Deontay Johnson who's who really broke out that first year for him. So you have some other it's a, it's some crowded play, it's a crowded it receiver room. It is. So for Juju, if he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, I think that's where more of the pressure is whereas those other guys we named is more so pressure on careers going forward mm. because we we can see a drastic hit financially for them and opportunities for them as well whereas with Juju if he plays bad this year, he's hurt this year or whatever it may be, it doesn't play up to snuff, he's still going to get numerous opportunities just because of how young he is yeah, and what he did the first Cam two Newton, years. Right? If Cam Newton has a really bad season this it, year, it, who it knows could, what the future right, looks like. Absolutely. Juju has a down year. Somebody's going to offer him a contract. Someone's going to take a chance on Absolutely. Just because you, you know with a younger player, he still has a lot more yep. years left in terms of being able to right the ship, change things, or whatever it needs to be. So that's why for Juju, I think that he's on this list solely from the Pittsburgh standpoint, not from the league or career standpoint. Another guy who, I guess kind of like Khalil Mack and, and Patrick Peterson, not old, but not young in the tooth anymore. Number five on this list, Jimmy G, Arthur Motes. Jimmy Garoppolo, can he repeat the performance last season, right? Where he was oh, not seven, a— Oh, seven completions in the playoffs? Where he was going to say— All right, yeah. Where he, was not he a, uh, where he was not the reason that the Niners were having all that success, but he certainly— uh, played a part you know it wasn't like they were winning despite jimmy g um but can he maybe take that offense to a little bit higher of a level or <laughs> you're not uh expecting much that kind of what he is at this point is what he is jimmy g did a great job of riding that fast car you know hey man the car doing all the work i just got to turn Life it a little in the bit fast lane you know what i mean like, like he, he did his job <laughs> he said he wasn't terrible he wasn't great but he he, he was just good <laughs> he, he was really good um in terms of him taking the next step forward though i don't really know what that looks like for jimmy g i mean because he doesn't turn the ball over a lot he's not a high volume passer either he's accurate that's the one benefit i will say with him and the offense it fits with it fits him. That West Coast style of offense, that timing, he's a smart guy. He gets the ball out on schedule. I think he's a higher-end Alex Smith. I think mm -hmm. that's just who he is. I don't think he's a Tom Brady type. I don't see him as a Peyton Manning or Patrick no. Mahomes. But I just think he's a higher-level version of an Alex Smith. And Alex Smith, I mean, let's be real. He's had an amazing career. He's been very successful, has taken his teams very far. I think Garoppolo is a better version of that. And for me, man, I think the only reason why he's even on this list, honestly, is because of, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks that were available on the market. The fact that Tom Brady. Yeah. You, you talk about Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, um, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston. The fact that the Niners say, hey, we're sticking with this guy when financially they didn't. It wasn't as if he has so much guaranteed money left on his deal. No, that's kind of past. Yeah, that, it now. was definitely past, which is why it made it so intriguing this offseason where you're like, well, hey, they could really make a move if they, they wanted to. ties with him, and it wouldn't yeah. hurt them from a cap standpoint, really. Absolutely. But I think because of them 
doubling down on Jimmy G and saying that, hey, he's yes. our guy. Yes. I think now when you talk about the pressure, he has to be able to lead them back deep into the playoffs. It can't be a, a wild card loss. It can't hmm. be a, a division round loss. Like it has to be NFC championship game or better because that's what the standard has been set. And I mean, when you look at it from a win loss standpoint, I mean, he, he's I mean, his percentage is beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. His team, his team. Wow. When he's on the field, his team wins yeah. a lot more games than they lose. I mean, he took them from a three-win team to a was it a fourteen-win team? Yeah. I mean, so you 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 see the things that he's been able to do with his team, both regular season and playoffs. But I think that's the biggest reason why Jimmy G is on the list, solely because of the other guys that were available that they passed on for Jimmy. And the expectations of that. We keep coming back to that expectations word. Expectation changes everything, man. And the Niners certainly have some high expectations this year for, for good reason. Just look at that roster. Number six on the list. Now, this is a different kind of guy, Motsi. Vaughn Miller. Uh, just been a, an absolute beast his entire career. A no doubt future Hall of Famer gold jacket guy. But he slumped last season. And he's at that certain age. Can Vaughn have a bounce back year? Yeah, I think he will, just because he's going to have Bradley Chubb coming back. I think last That's year was big. a direct relation to Bradley Chubb not being out there. And it's safe to say that, yeah, Vaughn might have took a step back. Not a big step, but just a step back. But also, you have to remember, too, man, there was there was a, a lot of change over going over there. Uh, Vic Fangio, that was his first year, so implementing the new defense. Vaughn getting up to speed with that. And then, like I said, Vaughn not only having to adjust to the new scheme, but at the same time, losing his running mate, losing his Bradley Chubb. Remember before Bradley Chubb, who did they have out there? DeMarcus Ware. So they've always, he's had somebody to run with. Somebody, somebody to, who can take some of that attention. Absolutely, which yeah. is huge. I think Khalil Mack will benefit because he's going to have Robert Quinn out there this uh, year in Chicago. But that's the biggest thing that hurt Vaughn last year, man. You you have to have somebody else out there taking some of that pressure off. Now, depending on how high you are on the uh, the Drew Lock chain, uh, mm. the do the Drew Lock train, that's gonna do say that five times right. Fast. That, that's gonna definitely change your, I guess, expectations or your your belief that Vaughn can bounce back because sure. if Drew can come out there and light it up or at least be above average, that helps that, that helps Vaughn out a, a ton. Yep. But now if Drew so comes same out way there that we talk about the Steelers, we talk about yes. the Bears, there's that same offense helping the defense. Absolutely. But now if Drew doesn't produce at that level, and they're now games that's going to have Vaughn in a, a not-so-good situation. Teams are running the ball against them a lot. And, and you have to realize, too, man, they lose Chris Harris Jr., who was a, yeah. a, I mean, has been a dominant corner his whole career out there. I mean, so the, they, 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 they're bringing A.J. Bouye. But from a defensive secondary standpoint, there has been some turnover, some transition. So – it, it, it always makes me wonder with when you have overhaul in the secondary and in particular in all season like this, the impact that's going to have in terms of those guys getting up speed from a communication standpoint, because it's always harder to get the secondary up to speed than it is your front seven, because it's just it's way more communication, way more rules, way more gray area that needs to be worked out. So for me, man, if, if as long as Bradley stays healthy, Bradley Chubb stays healthy, I think Von Miller will bounce back, be in the double-digit so sack too. range. And for him, man, it's another issue is the contract. What he's getting paid, can't have seven, eight sacks. No. Can't. You got to be near the Baker's dozen at least. Yeah. Mandatory. Yep. That, that's, it is what it, it is, yeah. man. If you're commanding that yeah. large of a chunk on defense, Absolutely. you have to be. You have to produce. Absolutely, it's not like quarterback where you can you can be an average quarterback and still get twenty five, twenty six, almost thirty million dollars. Sometimes that's the only position we're saying yeah. that for. Yeah, you can't do that and at, at linebacker. <laughs> right, you you cannot be average as a pass rusher getting with Von Miller's getting. No. How about wide receiver T. Y. Hilton, a guy who's been one Ooh. of the more underrated wideouts in the National Football League, I think, for a long time. But Motsi, he's thirty years old. 
He's not the you know physical stature dominant guy. He's 5'10", 180 pounds. Uh, but Philip Rivers, ten, way great on the curve. Whew. That was not five ten. Five, <laughs> five ten in the program. What? Um, Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman now in the fold. Some some talented but unproven yeah. youngsters. Uh, you bring in Philip Rivers. Is T. Y. Hilton still a, a legit number one wide receiver? That's a loaded question. That is, man. I think he's just a high level two, honestly, man. Yeah. Just because, I mean, when you think about, you can't just line him up as the number one, as the X, and just say, hey, go out here and flat out beat this guy. A lot of times, man, you have to to scheme it up for him to, number one, get in the best position so he doesn't have to worry about press, get in a situation where he can use his speed. Now, after that, I mean, his catching ability, his run-after catch ability is phenomenal. It's up there with the best of them. But for me, when I think of a legit number one receiver, I think of a guy that he doesn't need to be schemed. He doesn't need motion. He doesn't need bunch. He doesn't need all these different formations to get open. You line him over there and just say, hey, go to work. And he's going to consistently win consistently command two. That's what I view as the number one because, I mean, obviously playing here in Pittsburgh with A.B., that's what we saw. A.B. consistently demanded a double team, and he would still win. That's what a number one receiver is to me, a guy that consistently demands two. If you put one one corner on him, it's game over. It's game over. Yeah. You you want to score a it's touchdown, or you're trying to get 20 on it. Which one? Either way, we're going deep. Like, that's how I view it, whereas with T.Y., he hasn't – consistently shown that now obviously he's dealt with some injuries but he hasn't consistently been able to show that just yet and obviously you have to throw in the quarterback play that definitely has had a, a impact on him I mean you saw last year with between Jacoby Brissett Brian Hoyer it's not good and, and, and before that I mean even with Andrew Luck I mean sometimes it's here sometimes it's hurt like you just didn't know so I think all those things play into it but ultimately man I don't see T.Y. as going to be as being a legit number one I just think he's a high level two but I think if Phillip Rivers can just be good inconsistent good and consistent i think we could definitely see ty have an impact a nice impact for the colts offense let's close out with some running backs here a guy that hey. i was surprised to see on this list aaron jones i feel like there's nah. a lot of other a lot of other people that are under more pressure even within the cowboys own organization than, than aaron jones i was surprised to see him on this list you said cow Packers. Or Packers, sorry. Yeah, I was yeah, like, whoa, yeah. Whoa, wait a sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, the, I think there's more eyeballs on Aaron Rodgers and, and uh, Jordan Love and how that whole situation pans out, right? There's some, okay, can this guy have another really good year on the defense for the Packers? I don't know. Pressure for Aaron Jones? What do you think about him on this list? I personally wouldn't have put him on this list. I mean, if we were going to put a running back up there, I mean, in Pittsburgh, James Conner, mm-hmm. I feel like has way more pressure than Aaron Jones has. I agree. I mean, and, and when you look at their careers – they both have had, what, one real breakout season. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's kind of been hit or miss or right. not living up to that same level of expectation. So I don't really see why Aaron Jones would be up here. I understand they talk about the A.J. Dillon pick, which, I mean, A.J. Dillon's a good back, but they're still different in styles. Correct. So I don't necessarily see that whole dynamic. And, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I don't really understand why he's on this list. I, I definitely think that. He's going to be fine. I think that we, we could put a lot of running yeah. backs ahead of him in terms of more pressure. <laughs> yeah, that for this that, that really throws me off just seeing Aaron yeah. Jones be put up there, and especially when you're looking at the season he just came off of. Right, it was really like he played bad. Season. He was balling. Yeah. He balled out. 
and he's 26 years old, yeah. so he's still in that age. We don't. It's another you know two three years before we think he'll start to kind of decline. And, and I understand this is his contract year because he's in the same class as James Conner, but I don't even think from a money standpoint that he's in the the conversation of pricing himself out of that Packers market in terms of them being able to afford him. Right. It's not like when uh, when Le'Veon was going to hit the market or or right. when Ezekiel Elliott like. He's not in the market setting class Correct. in terms of like a, a, a McCaffrey <laughs> or a Kamara. Like that's not him. No, he's good, no. but he's not. He that might be level. one of those rare, like true middle class guys, right? Like, like a uh, like a Devonte Freeman. Correct. Like, like, like I see him in that vein yeah. more than anything. So that's why I'm not really understanding why he would be on this list. It, it, like I said, the only thing I can think of is just them saying that hey, if he has a down year, it's contract year, that they would just roll with AJ Dillon yeah. going forward, but. I don't. I personally don't see that, man. I think he's yeah. going to be just fine, and he's coming yeah. off of his best season as a professional. Right. So now, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I do really see it, obviously, for the last guy on this list, another running back. Yes, <laughs> Leonard Fournette, because he was the fourth overall pick in 2017. They've already declined his fifth year option in Jacksonville. There's been a lot of, you know, the jury's been out on Fournette's career over the past few years. It feels like Motsi, and he did quietly last year had the most rush yards of his career, had the most receptions out of the backfield of his career, which has been a huge knock on him. Will this finally be a season where he solidifies, okay, yeah, maybe sure, you shouldn't have taken him fourth overall. He's not Zeke. He's not Saquon Barkley. But is this the year that Leonard Fournette kind of puts to rest? Okay, you know what? This guy is a is a solid NFL running back. Or is this the year that maybe just some of those questions continue to linger even longer? I think with Leonard Fournette, man, the thing that people have – tried to put as a knock on him is his uh, maturity or even his attitude but what people don't understand or what they continue to I guess overlook or downplay is that that relationship man that was going on in Jacksonville between Marone and, and Tom Coughlin and the players I mean it was toxic and I don't care how good of a player you are at which stage of your career you are that has a negative effect on you. Everybody's going to handle it differently. And we've seen the numerous amount of players, good players, pro bowlers, all pros that have been asking to get out or have been traded because of that situation down there. So I think for Leonard Fournette, that has impacted him more than anything else. I don't have an issue with him being taken fourth overall. I understand they'll point and say, well, Christian McCaffrey or Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, let's be real, they weren't who they were when they got drafted. If that was the case, then Mahomes would have went one overall. That wasn't the case. So don't give me the after the fact, oh, yeah, you could have took this guy instead because that's not realistic. Because what, 10 other teams, could have, 11 other teams could have taken Absolutely. that guy instead. So for me, man, I, I, I'm not really buying that. Now, when we talk about Leonard Fournette just in general as a player, I mean, he can still be a dominant running back in terms of we've seen, like you said, the rush numbers. But then, like you said, this is a big year for him receiving out the backfield because that was something that people had question marks about him in that department. But he's proven that he can do that even in the toxic situation, even with Garner Minshew as his starting quarterback. So for me, man, I'm confident that Leonard Fournette will have a bounce back. But I think, I think for him, man, we're going to see his better years once he leaves Jacksonville. Yeah. Regardless of his trade or or free agency, because they they have that in the article as well. Talking about nobody is really trying to trade for him. But right. why would you trade for him if it's the contract year? We talked about that here in Pittsburgh, right? Where people were like, "Hey, man, would you give up a fourth round pick for him? Why?" Especially He's going to be on the market lot, next yeah, year. A lot of people thought that the Jags might even cut him too. Exactly. So it's like, why give up anything for him when you know we could, it's a waiting game? Just wait him out. We'll either get him through free agency or we'll get him, you know, if he gets cut. One or the other, we're going to pick him up, though. So I think that's the whole thought process with Leonard Fournette. I think even this next season, if he has to play it in Jacksonville, I, I still don't see him setting the league on fire 
because I think it'd be more so, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm healthy. I'm going to make sure I'm playing safe. And I'm going to make sure I need to do what I need to do so that way I'm as best as I could be when I hit the market. But then wherever he goes after that, I see him having that resurgence like we saw mm-hmm. in 17, like we saw in 18, yeah. where where he was just going crazy. Running, pe- yeah. running people over. Running running over him, running by him. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's what I expect. No, he's been one of those guys, Leonard Fournette, I really thought that he would take off at some point. It has not so far, but yeah, it, certainly the Jacksonville dynamic playing into that. As we've seen with plenty of other guys, he'll be an interesting one to follow throughout the season. So there's your list of uh, players in the NFL with the most eyeballs, the most pressure on them this season. What say you? Last chance to get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show on this beautiful Monday afternoon with your reaction. B-E-A-Utiful. On the other side. He is the spelling bee champion, Arthur Motes, over there. I'm Wesley Euler. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show here on a Monday afternoon. We go to the tweets as always. Yins know the drill. Michael, he wants to know about the recap of the weekend. All right, so you talked about it last week, right? Turkey Day versus July 4th. Who has the better food? Did you switch? I need some highlights and lowlights of food over the weekend. Man, so for me, uh, Michael knows the good questions to ask. Yeah, man, for me, we went just regular, was it flank steak, had a nice little marinade on it, then hot dogs, hamburgers, kielbasa, Mm -hmm. mac and cheese, Mm -hmm. corn, Mm -hmm. ton of fruit. Yeah, we went that route. It was cool. It was cool. I wasn't tripping. I, uh, so I did pulled pork. I, I, on the smoker, I did a pork shoulder and a whole chicken. I did like seven pound Mm, pork shoulder. And I did like a five pound. He said chicken. a whole chicken. Oh yeah, the whole thing, <laughs> well, a baby. Whole chicken uh, on that thing. I think I got it figured out. I think I've got my pulled pork figured out, Mozi. So I put it on okay. actually. I put it on at midnight before I went to bed, at 200 degrees, nice and low, and and left it on for like 13 and a half hours. Right. Mm. I got up at 6 a.m. I increased the temperature to 225. Okay. You know, then at like 9:30, I increased the temperature to 250. Okay. And I just slowly let it build up. Like I said, 13 and a half hours. I had that thing on there till the uh, till my thermometer hit 205 degrees. Bad man. Then I wrapped it in foil and in a towel and put it in the cooler for like two hours. Let mm. all the juices and the moisture redistribute. Okay. Oh, it was. Okay. Mwah. It just pulled apart. I mean, just with a fork, it just pulled right apart. And then, yeah, I did burgers and hot dogs over the weekend as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In terms of the uh, July 4th or Thanksgiving, oh, man, it's just so tough because in terms of the day, I want the Thanksgiving day, right? And with that, I think the food is part of the conversation because I like July 4th food more than Thanksgiving food. But I have July 4th food like every weekend, <laughs> you know, like I really only have Thanksgiving food once a year. So but a good follow up question there. But Mike was yeah, like, a, ju- man, like, like a journalist here with the good the good follow up questions. Uh, King Dusty wants to know if we think Lev Bell is still in his prime or should pressure and eyeballs be on him? 
Well, he's got some pressure on him this season after last season. Definitely for sure. does, man. He needs to take a take a load off Sam Darnold in that offense. Yeah, I think that for him, man, he still is in his prime. I think the biggest thing though is number one: what is Sam Darnold going to look like? Is Sam Darnold going to consistently look like? the non-seeing go Sam Darnold or the seeing go Sam Darnold. I think that's going to play a larger role in terms of L. Bell's productivity. Right. But, yeah, I still think, man, I still think L. Bell's going to be fine. I think so, too. Yeah. I think he's got another really good year or two in Absolutely. him, definitely. He's still got some tread on those tires. Uh, Gunner wants to know when we'll have to change every team that's named after an animal because PETA will be on their case. Hey, listen, man, I don't even like the joke with PETA, man. PETA <laughs> – they don't play no games, no games. They're so, not messing yeah. with you. Yeah, when it when it comes to, to the, the animal name teams, man, I'm I'm nervous. But this is a slippery slope, man. I think there's something that we can all agree upon that if we really dig deep, I mean, we can find something wrong with every name if we really go that route, which I don't have an issue with. I'm just simply just, you know, saying how it really is. We can find something with every name, man. Something that has an issue with whatever it may be or, or certain people or whatever. The New York Giants, that's unfair to large people. Oh, man. We're we going that route. Hey, you know. Maybe we could. I mean, my friend Hagrid, you know, his dad was a half giant. So, you know, it's insensitive to my buddy Hagrid. Boom. He's the groundskeeper at this school, Hogwarts. I don't know if you've ever Boom. heard of it. See? Boom. <laughs> Last one here, Motsi. WMBO wants to know. All right, you two. Best high school athlete you ever saw in person? That's an easy answer for me. Oh, yeah, easy for me, man. Percy Harvin. Wasn't even close. Yeah, we've talked about <laughs> yeah. this before, and my answer is Terrell Pryor. Yeah, it wasn't dude. even close. If you lived in Western Pennsylvania in the 2000s and you ever saw Terrell Pryor play football or basketball, I don't care which one, it, it was just different. It because, was just different. Listen, man, it, it, just to give you context <laughs> – in my area, during my junior senior year, we had, like I said, me, Cam Chancellor, a guy named Chris Bell, who had already been a state champ, committed to Penn State early, all these other things. Um, out of what we had a top twenty-five list, mm -hmm. twenty-five of us went to different colleges on full scholarships, everything you name it, SEC, ACC, you name it, we had guys there. Percy Harvin had his own separate like coverage team it was the percy watch where literally they had a local helicopter from the news station just follow wherever percy was playing at. <laughs> they would follow him for football where he had 500 yards five touchdowns in the state championship game that he won then he went and proceeded to drop 30 in the state championship basketball game that he ended up getting second place in and then he went and won five gold medals in the state track meet as well man you, you talk about a phenomenal athlete it wasn't even close yeah, and like I said, this is in the midst of us having numerous guys who have made it to the professional ranks in my junior and senior years of high school playing down there with him. It still wasn't close, bro. Here's how I know it's Terrell Pryor for me, um, because <laughs> state playoffs my senior year, right? Our high school lost to Aliquippa in the state playoffs. Mm. If we would have beat Aliquippa, we would have played Jeanette. And, I mean, I said played Jeanette. We would have gotten, <laughs> gotten rampaged We would have been Jeanette. on the field with him. But we didn't have a chance to get to Terrell Pryor and Jeanette because Aliquippa had this guy named John Baldwin who ran oh. riot all over our team okay. for three hours on a Friday night. So if John Baldwin ran riot all over our team and then Terrell Pryor and Jeanette ran riot all over John Baldwin and Aliquippa. It would have been bad. That was everything I needed to know it's about Terrell Pryor. And this is my favorite stat from Terrell Pryor's senior year of high school. 
his basketball team at Jeanette, mm-hmm. Jeanette's a smaller school, right? So yeah. their basketball team, I think their varsity team had 11 guys. Mm. Nine of those 11 guys played football. Wow. And they won the state championship in football. So Jeanette had to forfeit their first six or seven basketball games of the season. And then they didn't lose a game the whole rest of the season and won the state championship in basketball. That's crazy. Terrell Pryor. Like you said, yeah, that's nuts. Because I even think of when they were talking from a competition standpoint, I was like, okay, I understand with football we were loaded. But then I said from a basketball standpoint, this dude Percy playing against cats that's committing (laughs) to to Arkansas – um, Arkansas, ODU, Virginia right, Tech, Florida, right. like all these different right. big, and he's still just getting buckets. I'm like, this, this doesn't make this sense. Different. Then he's winning in track in a hundred meter yard, uh, yep. the hundred yard dash yep. against a guy that's going to Florida State for track. This, right. this won the <laughs> ACC turn. I'm like, yeah, this is insane. Like that's not normal. This is not normal. It's not normal. You don't do that. Not in every sport. <laughs> you know, unless you're Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler, obviously. <laughs> Listen, man. My accolades speak for themselves, but they won't like that. Hey. It was plenty of times I looked up like, man, I wish I had an Arthur Host watch. I ain't that good. I suck. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody for the good tweets. As always, we appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow. We'll keep yeah, it rolling. buddy. We'll keep it rolling this week here. We'll, uh, you know, we'll keep the we'll keep the power grid on for you. We'll keep the electric factory. You know, we got y'all lit up for you. So you know when to find us. We'll talk to the ends high noon tomorrow. And as always, same time, same place on your twenty four seven home of the black and gold. Still a nation radio.